You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy weekend. Happy Sunday. This is the post-game pod from Saturday Night Show and a quick preview of Sunday's game between the Wolves and the Phoenix Suns, the first time the Wolves have seen the Suns this season. So this will be a pretty quick-hitting pod. To get you to opening tip on Sunday, I just want to go through some of the, the key takeaways from the Wizards' uh, debacle, I guess you could say, on Saturday night where the Wolves were only competitive for about half the game and uh, lost to, uh, obviously, a Wizards team that's playing a lot better lately, but certainly a team the Wolves should have been competitive against for 48 minutes. So some key takeaways from that, individual studs and duds, and then a quick peek at Wolves' sons for Sunday night. Before we get to all that, though, as always, I want to remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts, including iTunes. You can follow on Spotify. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B-Beacon. It's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, so the Wolves lost the Wizards on Saturday by one by 16 points, 128 to 112. This was a game that Minnesota was up after the first quarter. They were only down two at halftime. They were in, in the game really till almost the midway point of the third quarter, and then things just absolutely fell apart. The Wolves were actually competing in the first half. Bradley Beal didn't do much until late in the second quarter, barely got to double digits by halftime. The Wolves started Josh Akogi in place of Malik Beasley, who's serving the first game of a 12-game suspension. That surprised me a little. I thought that maybe Chris Finch would go with Jalen Noel in the starting lineup because any lineup with Akogi, Jared Vanderbilt, and Ricky Rubio is going to be pretty short on shooting. And then your other players on the court, of course, are, are Carl Anthony Towns um, and, and Anthony Edwards, who, I mean, Towns is your only solidly plus outside shooter in that group. So it surprised me a little bit, but it worked early in the game. I mean, the Wolves held the Wizards in check. Akogi did a good job on Beal. Minnesota got enough scoring early in the game to obviously have a lead after the first quarter, be within two at halftime. But then in the third quarter, the spacing really started to be an issue for Minnesota. Um, and, you know, Kogi knocked down a couple of threes in this game and generally generally looked more comfortable. And I want to talk more about him here in a, in a couple minutes. But more broadly, the lineup construction was interesting and, and it worked until it didn't. Um, Jared Vanderbilt had a great game. We'll talk more about him here in a minute, too. But Jade McDaniels only played 15 minutes. Um, Akogi played a little bit at the four in this one. Hernan Gomez didn't play until it was basically garbage time. There was a, a small moment, I think late in the third, early fourth, that Towns and Nas Reed played next to each other. So Finch was certainly searching for something. And I'll give him credit for that. I think as as much as the, as the all-defense worked in the first half and kept the Wolves close, as they started to fall behind and the defense just wasn't clicking anymore, it wasn't working, Akogi wasn't really slowing down Beal, that's when Finch could have pulled the plug a little quicker and said, okay, we need offense. Let's get McDaniels in the game or maybe give Hernan Gomez a shot. Go to the Nas and, and, and Cat front court a little sooner to provide a little bit more resistance in the paint defensively, as well as give you another floor spacer. You know, I know Nas has been terrible lately from, from deep, but he's at least, in theory, a better three-point shooter, certainly than Vanderbilt and, and better than a Kogi. And, um, you know, I, I, I was a little surprised that move didn't happen sooner. By the time that Finch started experimenting with lineups, it was a double-digit game. I think it was like 16 points late in the third when those lineups really started to get shuffled around. And at that point, it was mostly over. I mean, Minnesota pushed a little in the fourth. They ended up, you know, 
I, I guess making it somewhat close. I think they got within 12 middle of the fourth quarter, uh, but it never really felt like they were back in the game. Um, and, and the, I guess the, the biggest takeaway from this game for me is that the Wolves really love to play fast. We know that they, I think coming into this game were seventh in pace in the NBA. The Wizards are number one. The Wolves are now sixth in pace headed into the Sunday game. And, but the problem is, is that the Wizards love to play fast. Number one in pace. They're a terrible defensive team. They just want to get as many positions, possessions as they possibly can. And the Wolves don't have anybody like a Russell Westbrook or a Bradley Beal, and the Wizards have both. Both of those guys can play at a breakneck speed and score. Westbrook, obviously, to his own detriment a lot of times, or to his team's detriment, but he was good in this game, and there was that that moment in the second half where he was just dominant. I mean, he was getting every time in transition, he was pulling up from the elbow, he was getting all the way to the rim, and the Wolves couldn't slow him down, and when he wasn't scoring, it was Bradley Beal scoring. Um, Beal said after the game something about Akogi, I apparently said something to him and, and talked some sort of trash early in the third quarter, and that I guess is what set Beal off, which always makes me wonder why he didn't just score earlier if he, if it was that simple. But um, at that point, Beal turned it on. He had like, I don't know, 12 or 14 points just in the third quarter and, you know, had a, ended up getting to what, 30, uh, Beal ended up with uh, 34 in the game on, on 23 shots, only two of six outside the arc. He was scoring in a variety of ways in the mid range and getting, getting to the paint. Um, he was operating in the pick and roll quite a bit for Washington and the Wolves just couldn't slow him down. But uh, I, I think Minnesota just got sucked into like, okay, yeah, we can play fast and Finch wants us to play fast, but there just isn't the talent right now on, on a depleted Wolves team with no D'Angelo Russell, with no Malik Beasley. Um, this team just doesn't have the horses to play fast all the time with a team like the Wizards. Um, I think depending on the matchup, that could make a lot of sense. And generally speaking, the Wolves should play fast, but they, they just got sucked into this this up and down game and, and Westbrook was happy to play that game. Um, he ended up with, of course, a triple double, 19, 14 and 12. Um, and and Beal had his 34 plus eight rebounds and six assists. And, you know, the the Wolves just just kind of got sucked into it. Um, and and again, going back to the lineup, I guess this would be my other big kind of overarching team takeaway was. I like the idea of that defensive lineup. And again, it worked until it didn't, but then not going back to some of the shooting a little quicker. I've been surprised that McDaniels has gotten a little bit less run under Finch than he did under Ryan Saunders. Now, to be clear, and again, we will talk about Vando here in a minute individually. He had a great game and is a really good compliment to Towns. And I support starting Vanderbilt. I support him getting a chance at, at the four. But I talked about this the other day and I wrote about it at Dunkin' with Wolves on Friday. Um, on, it posted on the site on Friday afternoon, I believe. Um, I thought McDaniels would get more run at the three. And, and I guess we're one game into this after Beasley's Beasley was suspended. So maybe he will on Sunday, especially after only playing 15 minutes. But I think McDaniels at the three and Vanderbilt at the four is a really intriguing thing that the Wolves could do. Uh, McDaniels offers some of the defensive resistance that Akogi does, certainly more length than shot blocking ability. He's not going to guard perimeter uh, players quite as well as Akogi, but he offers a lot more offensively. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can do some of the things, certainly many things offensively that Akogi can't. So I, I would expect to see more McDaniels at the three along with Vanderbilt at the four moving forward, which is just a, an impossibly long lineup. Just tons of length, especially with Rubio at the point guard and maybe Edwards at the two, um, or if Culver gets back into playing shape at the two, or you know Noel isn't it doesn't necessarily add to the length equation. But I think a lineup of Rubio, Noel, McDaniel's, uh, Vanderbilt, and Towns is really intriguing, um, and hopefully we see some of that on Sunday. I, I was a little surprised with the lack of run that McDaniel's got, especially at the three, and especially with the Wolves getting down double digits pretty quickly. It was really a blink of an eye. 
in the third quarter. Um, so maybe we'll see some of that shift on Sunday night against Phoenix. Um, next, I want to talk about individual studs and duds, and then we'll wrap up by talking about the Wolves-Phoenix matchup here coming up next. Here at Locked On Wolves, we cover everything you need to know about the Timberwolves, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the fantastic Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk individual studs and duds. Um, Pretty easy in this one. Um, I mean, Towns had an okay game. He had 23, 11 and five, three blocks, but he turned it over five times, had five fouls. I don't really, I'm not going to put him in either one of these categories. This wasn't his best game. The Wolves spacing on offense. And I I talked a little bit about this first segment, but the idea of having four basically non-shooters, depending on your opinion of Edwards as a shooter, which I've talked about this a lot. I think he's, he's really good as a catch and shoot. Um, shooter from the perimeter, but he's really struggled off the bounce. And he just, it it just never seems right when he's shooting off the bounce at this point, unless it's in transition. Um, And, and, you know, surrounding towns by basically four non-shooters isn't going to work, especially if the other team's just going to score anyway. And and so again, to me, that's what held towns down a little bit in this game. That and the officiating was beyond questionable, especially in the third quarter. And clearly it got into the wolves heads. Um, And, and I guess one other point on that is Minnesota clearly got into this this third quarter like everybody wanted to play hero ball and be the one to pull them out of out of their tailspin. And Edwards was guilty of that. Towns a little bit, just kind of quick threes, semi contested early in the shot clock, which aren't great shots. Um, it just the the flow that was there in the first quarter was not there in the third quarter, and it was because these guys were all trying to pull this team out of the tailspin themselves instead of relying on the team concept. And uh, Towns is partially guilty of that, but again, I, I don't think that. The, the uh, rotations in this one did Towns a whole lot of favors um, in terms of players that he could dish to for open threes or, or players that that force the defense to spread out and, and give Towns a little more space to operate. Um, we saw a lot of the same offensive sets with Towns kind of in the mid post. He, he was at the elbow a little bit more in this game, like actually at the elbow and, and had a couple of nice passes to cutting a Kogi to he had a he was doubled and he scooped a pass across the paint to the opposite corner for a three for a Kogi. Um, you know, generally speaking, Towns was fine in this game. And I don't I don't put his seven of 19 shooting all on him. I think a lot of it had to do with with the spacing. So anyway, the 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 studs that I do have, the, the players that played the best for the Timberwolves, number one, Jared Vanderbilt had 11 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, two blocks. He did have three turnovers. He had a couple of bad ones, um, but he only committed two fouls. He only played 23 minutes and put up this double-double. Uh, led the Wolves in rebounding and continues to show that he really can be a perfect complement to Cat. If he can develop something of an offensive game besides just being the cleanup guy around the rim, he had four offensive rebounds, had a couple of putbacks uh, of his four of seven shooting, had a couple of dunks off of uh, dump offs from, I think, Rubio and Towns. Um, and it really is kind of that low usage guy who can put up a, a 10, 10 and 10 double double type night almost every night with a couple of blocks and solid defense. It's it's the nights where he just doesn't have it that the Wolves need to learn to pull the plug on him a little bit quicker and and put in a McDaniels or Hernan Gomez or somebody. But if he's got it on a night like this, you know, he's a great fit next to Towns. He can be that low usage guy. He's also shooting the ball a lot better from the free throw line. He was three of five from the line in this one. If he can be 65, 70 percent instead of 45, 50 percent, that's a huge difference. Um, and, And teams are, you know, certainly probably still gonna be willing to foul him instead of allow him to to get a dunk. But it, it, that's an extra, you know, point a game or something like that. If, if he's attempting this many free throws, you know, with this with this frequency. So he's on the stud list for this one. Also off the bench, a couple of guys. The starting lineup was just kind of OK. And, and a lot of that's because 
They were on the court when the third quarter got away from the Wolves. But Jalen Noel was awesome in this game. 15 points, five rebounds, four assists, and a steal. No turnovers. Uh, five of nine shooting, three of four outside the arc, two of two at the line in 26 minutes. One of the knocks on him, and, and I've talked about him now for weeks. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, I think, and I, I actually, I tweeted this the other day um, and wrote a little bit about it at Dunkin' with Wolves. I would buy Jalen Noel stock with Chris Finch as the coach. And back when he joined the starting lineup roughly a month ago, obviously when Ryan Saunders was still the coach, I said at the time, I thought he was a guy that should get more run. It would be really good. He's had a few rough games towards the end of the Saunders tenure. And he started getting, he was like in the single digits and minutes off the bench. The last few games of Saunders tenure as head coach, his minutes have been up and his production has been up since Finch took over. And one of the major issues he's had throughout is he doesn't do anything besides shoot the ball. Very few rebounds, very few assists, no steals, no blocks, really just kind of a, you know, a high usage offensive player who's, who's a little below average defensively. You know, what else is he going to do? Well, if he gets 26 minutes and puts up 15, five and four and adds a steal, no turnovers. I mean, that's, that's a good night. If he can provide something in the other categories and be a better shooter than he has been at the NBA level. And I've talked about this quite a bit, but he's 44% his last year at Washington in the Pac-12, 44% last year in the G League with the Iowa Wolves. Obviously, he can shoot threes. He's been bad at the NBA level in, in what, like 35, 40 games between last year and this year, but he can shoot. We know that. So he was three for four in this game. Maybe the law of averages will finally you know, swing back the other way for Noel. Um, but if you can get 15, five and four with a steal and no turnovers for Noel off the bench in 26 minutes, that's a nice night. And he's going to find himself. I, I do think he's probably more of like a six man type, like a, a microwave type scorer who can hopefully do some other things. But maybe I'm wrong and maybe he's a starting caliber player. I think the way the Wolves are currently constructed Constructed with Beasley out, it would make sense to put Noel in the, in the starting lineup and get him some run with Vanderbilt, Towns, Rubio, and Anthony Edwards instead of bring him off the bench. Now, when Beasley comes back, I think Noel's the perfect kind of bench guy to come in and fill those non, you know, when Beasley takes a rest, Noel can duplicate some of what Beasley does, but he's been a little bit better going to the basket and floater game and some of those things he does better and more frequently than Beasley. Um, So I I really like Noel and I think he's going to have a major role under Finch. And remember, he's got two more years at, at under 2 million a year for the next two years for Jalen Noel. So I think he is so far the story of the Finch era in terms of a player who's been better since Chris Finch took over, of course, only three games into this, but long-term, I really like Jalen Noel in a Chris Finch offense. Um, and that'll be, he's a player to keep an eye on. The final stud for me in this game is Nas Reed. 17 points, eight of 12 shooting in this one. He was eight of nine inside the arc, missed all three, three-point attempts he took. He did only have one rebound in 18 minutes. And, and I'm, I'll never stop harping on this until it changes. Nas needs to improve his rebound rate. He just has to get more rebounds. If he's going to be on the court as the lone big man and not when Towns is resting, you can't come away with one rebound in 18 minutes. You just can't. However, he was so good offensively in this game. Just, it seemed like almost every time he got the ball, he was pump faking a three and driving into the paint and doing something positive. He had three assists as well in 18 minutes, only one turnover, added a steal and a block. He did have four fouls, um, and, and that continues to be an issue for Nas is, is um, his foul rate. But generally speaking, I mean, he's been really impressive in the paint recently. Um, I think opposing bigs don't understand how agile he is, and, and they don't they don't understand that he can kind of hit those scoop layups, those runners that he shoots and, and teams just aren't guarding him effectively. And, and I don't, I don't know how much longer that'll last. I don't think he's going to sneak up on people for, for much longer. Um, but he's been really good since, uh, since Finch took over as well, at least in the last couple of games, he had, he had 13 and four with three blocks in the overtime loss to the bulls last Wednesday. Um, now 
also over these last three games, he's only two of 13 outside the arc. That has to change. I mean, he's got to be able to shoot 33, 34% if they're going to run five out sets with him. Um, for the season, he's just over 34%. Um, so I, you know, I think that's probably more where he's going to be long term. Um, but still, that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Okay, duds for this game for the Wolves. Um, Jarrett Culver gets one, and and I, you know, if I feel badly about that because this is his first game that he's played in uh, since the since the sprained ankle. He missed. Uh, roughly a month um, and was was able uh, apparently dressed and ready to play against the Bulls but didn't get into the game Um, in this one he was somehow a minus 20 in 14 minutes which is just that boggles the mind I mean the Wolves only lost by 16 and they were within two points at halftime so it's not like this was a wire to wire loss for the Wolves Um, and he's not in the starting lineup he wasn't on the court at the start of the third quarter um, when things started to get uglier the middle of the third quarter for the Wolves Uh, but he finished Three points, one of six shooting, missed his only three-point attempt, one of two at the line. He did have five rebounds, but he had uh, uh, you know, just the three points on six shots and a minus 20 in 14 minutes. Obviously, it looked a little rusty. I think there's something to be said for him in a Finch offense as a cutter. Um, if he can just be okay as a shooter, I mean, he's one of the few guys on the roster that has the ability to be a two-way player and, and is dynamic enough as an athlete and as a ball handler. And as a defender, um, he's still got more upside than a Josh Akogi. He's still got arguably more upside than a Jalen Noel, although I think Noel's a much better player at this moment. Um, I mean, there's there's something there still with Culver, but but he has to he has to bring something to the table at some point. And I wrote about this also in my article at Dunkin' with Wolves. I think he's just now, this might have been his 81st game, I believe. He's right around the 80 game mark in his NBA career. He's still only 22. He's played 80 games spread out over, you know, the last year plus he has played for two coaches already. The whole roster is basically turned over besides Towns and Akogi in the past year plus for Culver. Um, and he didn't have a summer league this year. He didn't have a regular training camp. They didn't play in the bubble. So there's all these excuses that, that are legitimate. They're not strictly excuses. They're factors that play into Culver's issues so far as a pro. And, and, you know, we have to consider that when you're evaluating him, but, uh, this was a rough first game back for Jarrett Culver. The other dud for this one is Jordan McLaughlin. He got 23 minutes of run in this game. Uh, Ruby only played 25, so they almost split their minutes evenly. And uh, neither point guard was very good, but McLaughlin was a little bit worse. Two points, three assists, two steals, two turnovers, three fouls committed, minus eight in 23 minutes. Rubio had six and three with two steals, two rebounds, and uh, hit a three-pointer and three free throws. So that was the difference there. But um, the point guard play in general... Had been really great in Finch's first two games, but combined in this game, Ruby and McLaughlin only had eight points and six assists with four turnovers. So actually, I guess I could give this dud to both Rubio and J-Mac and not simply put it on McLaughlin's shoulders. Uh, the point guard play was just not great. And I don't know if it was, um, you know, being caught up in the in the Westbrook thing and or, or what, what happened. But um, the point guard, Neto wasn't outstanding for the Wizards. He's their backup point guard. But he was solid, and, and he played some minutes with Westbrook. Westbrook playing off the ball a little bit, um, at least in position title. He's never really off the ball, is he? Um, but uh, I, I don't know. The point guard play was just better on the Wizards' side than it was for the Wolves in this one. So um, I'll, I'll split that one between Rubio and McLaughlin and just put it on the point guard position as a whole. So main takeaways are the Wolves got sucked into playing too fast against the Wizards. They couldn't truth, truly slow down Beal once they got past the first half and should have bailed on their, on their all defense lineup a little bit sooner as things started going off the rails, tried to plug in a McDaniels, a Hernan Gomez, a Nas Reed or somebody at the four to try and kickstart things a little bit. But unfortunately 
with no Beasley, this team just didn't have enough offensive firepower to keep up with with the Wizards. And scoring 112 is fine for the Wolves, but the Wizards are a really bad defensive team. I mean, I know that defensive rating-wise, I think there's two or three teams worse than them, but I mean, you could argue they're the worst defensive team in the league, certainly. And the Wolves just didn't, just couldn't figure out the spacing offensively and the rotations and, and all that stuff. And, and then that 44-29 third quarter for the Wizards um, was just just enough to put this thing away. Um, and, and hopefully the Wolves can bounce back against the Suns on Sunday. So that's what we'll talk about next. We'll talk about the preview or preview the game between the Wolves and the Suns and what to watch out for. Cade Cunningham. Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about each of these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Okay, let's take a quick a quick peek at Wolves Suns on Sunday night. Phoenix, of course, has been really good this year. They're 21 and 11 overall. They're fourth in the West and they started the year great. They had a bit of a COVID kind of delay. They had several games postponed. Then they lost four to five after that. They've been, they've been 13 and three since that period of time. They uh, lost the other night to Charlotte by, by three, but overall they've won four of the last five. They've been fantastic recently. They beat the Bulls by nine and a comeback win on Friday. So they did have Saturday off and are coming off of that rest. Um, well, the Wolves of course played Saturday. Um, the game is in Minnesota. So the Wolves come back from the four game, four game road trip. Um, it feels like forever since they've been at home and it has been a little over a week. This will be Chris Finch's first home game, um, coaching the Timberwolves. And of course the Suns do have, uh, you know, Chris Paul's been unbelievable for them this year. And, uh, you know, really kind of underscores why the, the Suns made the trade that they did for Chris Paul. Not that, not that anybody was expecting much too different out of, or too much different out of Chris Paul, but still 21 and 11, I think, you know, the Suns are a team I took the over on before the season. Um, and I mean, they've been great. They've been really, really good. Devin Booker's actually been a little bit disappointed in terms of his efficiency and, and his, his, uh, I guess, individual defense. He is going to be on the all-star team as an injury replacement for Anthony Davis. Um, you know, I could argue that he doesn't deserve it, but he's been good. I mean, he's he's shooting just under 50% from the field, 37 and a half from outside the arc um, and 25 points per game. So he's been good. Chris Paul's been fantastic. Almost 17 points and nine assists per game. He's shooting 38% from outside the arc. Um, the guys you got to look out for outside of those two, uh, they've got uh, several guys who are, who are well above average shooting outside the arc. Um, and, uh, Mikel Bridges is certainly one of them. He's been really, really good this year, continues to get better. Frank Kaminsky has been great in a rotation role for them. Um, Jay Crowder is a big part of this rotation. Now I missed a little bit of time, but he's back now and playing Dario Saric, old friend who of course was traded to Phoenix in the trade up from the 11 to six spot in the draft in 2019 and resigned there for the, a little bit of an overpay. I think that the Wolves, I mean, they'd made the trade because they didn't want to have to extend Dario Saric in free agency. He missed a chunk of games and actually didn't play Friday due to an ankle injury. He's questionable for the game against the Wolves, but he's been pretty good this year for them um, as a as a rotation guy. He he was a starter last year for them, but is basically putting up the same numbers as a rotation guy, shooting over 35% from three, um, 10 and a half points, four rebounds a game, just a, a solid rotation guy for them. Um, and this is a deep roster. It is. Um, and they're well coached. Monty Williams is a great coach. Frankly, this is a team that doesn't really have any glaring weaknesses. They're seventh in offensive rating, seventh in defensive rating. 
Um, they shoot threes extremely well. They're kind of middle of the pack there. They don't draw a ton of fouls. They're, they're actually last in free throw attempts per game in the league. Um, but they score well enough from the perimeter that that doesn't really matter. And when they shoot free throws, they're third in the league in free throw percentage. Rebounding, they're they're kind of in the in the bottom half of the league. They they uh, are middle of the pack defensive rebounding. Um, so the Wolves should do okay on the glass against this team, especially if Vanderbilt gets heavy minutes next to Towns again, like he did against the Wizards. Um, the Suns are second to last in pace, so they're they're totally comfortable slowing things down with Chris Paul, and that's how they prefer to play. And this is a game, so I, I mentioned earlier that the Wizards were a team the Wolves can't run with. They can't run with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, especially with no D'Lo and no Malik Beasley. They The Wolves can run on the Suns, and they need to try and run on the Suns and, and force the Suns to get back defensively and, and try and get, I didn't even mention DeAndre Ayton earlier, try and get Ayton into foul trouble, try and make him run the floor a little bit, um, trying to, to make Chris Paul you know, I mean, you can't really get him out of his element, but force this team to run back defensively and to expend effort um, in transition. And it's positive for the Wolves, a team that likes to play slow because they're less likely to beat the Wolves back down the floor. Obviously, transition defense has been the bane of the Timberwolves' existence all year. And this is a team that the Wolves should be able to get back and get set against, hopefully. Um, and as long as they're communicating, they should have a shot. Now, of course, in the half court, the Suns are extremely efficient and, and are a great three-point shooting team. So that's a lot easier said than done. But the Wolves at least should have a shot in this one. Um, if they play, you know, if they play like they did against the Bulls the other night for most of the game, if they, you know, this is a, a really difficult game uh, because the Suns are so well-rounded and well-coached. But what the Wolves will need to try and do is get out in transition, speed the game up, rebound the ball well, and limit the amount of open three-pointers that the Suns get, which, I mean, you could say that about almost any game, but especially against a team like the Suns that knocks them down at such a high, a successful clip. Um, the, that's what the Wolves will need to try and do to stay in this one and have a chance to win at the end. All right, that's all I have for today here at Locked On Wolves. Of course, we'll be back with a post-game pod for Monday's show. This is a daily podcast, if you're not familiar, Monday through Friday. So we'll be back uh, with a Monday show, recapping the Sunday game against the Suns with some key takeaways. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you get podcasts. Um, that includes iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves. It's at Locked On T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon on Twitter. That's at bbeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.